there is power in one. It, it might not seem like it, but there's power when people are unified. One vision, one purpose, one calling. That is the power of one. When we're willing to major on the majors instead of majoring on the minors, there's power in that. The reality is in a group this size, let's back that up, in a group of two, you're never going to get everyone to agree on everything. It's called human nature. We have different interests. We have different likes. We have different things that move us. We have different callings on our life, and therefore we are passionate about different things. But when there's a major thing and you're unified around that major thing, whatever it is that is unified around that vision is almost unstoppable. Hence why the church is anything but unstoppable. There's probably not a more divided place in all the world than the church. We've allowed traditionalism and denominationalism and preferences to enter into the church. And we don't find a church that God's called us to to ask, how can we serve the church? We find a church and we call it home based on how it can serve us. I'm comfortable here. I can hide here. I was talking to someone this week. I ran into him at the store, hadn't seen him in about 10 years. Didn't even bring up church to him. They said, I keep up with you. And I said, well, I appreciate that. They said, you know, we're going over to blank. I said, well, that's great, man. Yeah, we don't really like it. I said, okay. They said, the preacher's not really our cup of tea. Music's not really our thing. I mean, he's just going down the list. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I could really care less, to be honest with you. That's what I wanted to look at him and say. But I'm letting them talk. I haven't asked anything. You know how sometimes you just got to shut up and they'll vent to you? They'll just vomit everything out to you? And then he said something. He goes, but i got to be honest with you. He said, it sure is nice to be able to walk in and hide out among the thousands of people. I said, man, well, that's why I would choose a church. <laughs> I knew you, you'd understand. <laughs> just walked away. And it's funny. Goes to a very large church. That to be honest with you, until he mentioned the church, I probably hadn't thought of this church in two to three years. Because no one's talking about this church. It's become a comfortable place and therefore out of comfort you can't make a difference. That's not me dogging the church. And if you think you know what church I'm talking about, I can probably guarantee you that you don't. But I always ask this question when people talk about church. I say, man, if that church closed down tomorrow, would anybody in the community except for the people who attended that church even notice that it closed down? And as I thought about that church, I thought, no, it wouldn't. It's got comfortable. There's no unity around the vision. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. 
Think about that. Where there is no vision in life, when there is no vision for your marriage, when there is no vision for your children, when there is no vision for your sobriety, when there is no vision for your purpose, when there is no vision for your career, when there is no vision for your finances, the people literally die. We have a country of people who are in every sense of the word, the walking dead. They're walking around, they're breathing, they're consuming, but they're giving nothing back because they lack vision. There is no vision, the people perish, but there's power in one. I love Acts chapter 2. If you've never read Acts chapter 2, go down verse 35, 36, somewhere around in there. And it talks about the formation of the first church. The Bible says there was 3,000 people added to that church. And that they said there's 3,000 men added that day, actually. On how many women and children, probably six to 7,000 people total in one day were added to the church. You want to talk about church growth? I don't like big churches. You would have hated the early church. And the Bible goes through and it talks about the things they do. And then in Acts 2.44, the Bible says they were unified in the vision. The King James Version says they were in one accord. There was unity in the fact that they believed the message of Jesus Christ. Now, I think some people miss that, and I've heard preachers talk about that, as we ought to agree on everything. Do you think of 7,000 people, let's not exaggerate, 3,000 people at the minimum, that's what it says. 3,000 people were together, and they agreed on everything? You think they saw eye to eye on everything? You think that they were all in unity and everything? No, but they were in unity in the vision that Jesus Christ had died on the cross, rose from the grave, and they were to spread that message. There was power in one vision. There's power in vision. What if I told you that when we started Action Church a decade ago, we started this church for one person? It's true. This is the third church that I've started in my life. Let me make this very clear. It's the final church. You run me off, I'm done. I'm done. Done. I'm done. When I was 22 years old, I moved from Decula, Georgia to Ames, Iowa. I had grown a very large college ministry here in Georgia. I moved to a college town, Iowa State. It was Ames, Iowa. I moved there to start a church. There were seven people there who wanted to start a church. And the Midwest is totally different when it comes to evangelic Christianity. There's not churches on every street corner. And so we started that church. I was 22. I knew nothing. I know nothing now, but I really knew nothing then. And believe it or not, the church started to grow, especially by standards of the Midwest. Our church was actually broadcast all over the state on television. TV preacher Gary. Vision in the heartland with Gary Lamb. (laughs) It's horrible. I would give you anything to find some of those old videos. We had a huge ministry to underprivileged children. We would run buses on Sunday morning and pick up kids all out in the rural areas. A lot of poor farmers and a lot of poor day laborers, and we'd bring the kids in. We'd have church, and it was it was interesting. And I started that church at 22 with the vision to reach thousands of people. 
I wanted to build my kingdom. And then I moved here 18 years ago. I was 28 years old. And I felt God called me back home and through praying and different doors opening, I ended up in Canton, Georgia, to start a church. And from day one, we started that church with a vision to be a regional church. One church in multiple locations. That was the vision. And that church grew very quickly in the four and a half, almost five years I was there. Right before I lost that church, I think Outreach Magazine named us the 17th fastest growing church in America. It was exploding. We didn't even have a building. At one point, we were running three services in the movie theater. We moved out of the movie theater into the conference center. The last Easter there, we ran seven services on Easter weekend to hold all the people. It grew very quickly. When we started Action Church, there was no big vision to reach thousands of people. When we started Action Church, there was no vision to be a regional church with multiple locations. I was burnt out on the business of church. We started it with a much different vision than we had in the past. I didn't care about thousands of people. I didn't care about hundreds of people. We started this church, make no mistake about it, for one person and one person only. The one person who didn't know Christ. And from day one, that has been the vision of this church. A lot has changed over the decade that this church has existed. People have come, people have gone. We have had high attendance days where we ran out of seats, and we've had low attendance days where we were socially distancing before it was cool. We have had periods in this church where there was seventy, eighty thousand dollars in the bank. The giving was so good. We had periods like we're in right now where very little money in the bank. It's been the ebb and the flow. We have done outreaches in the past that we no longer do now. We do outreaches now that we didn't do in the past. What I'm saying is, is things change. But one thing that has not changed is this church still exists for that one person. And the day that that changes is the day that I will no longer be the pastor of this church. One vision to reach one person. You've heard me say this. I actually said it a few weeks ago. The, the last thing Canton needed when we started Action Church was another church. You can't throw a rock in this town without hitting a church. They're everywhere. If by church, you meant a place that was more interested in traditions than reaching people. Canton didn't need another one of those. If I church you meant a place where the frozen chosen gather together, instead of reaching those that are far from God and didn't need another church. If by church you meant it needed a place that was more interested in denominational heritage than reaching those from far from God, it didn't need another church. If by church you meant simply a place that has a family reunion every Sunday because it's one family that makes up the church and they like it that way, then Canton didn't need another church. But Canton needed a place where that one person 
that was far from God could come and hear about a God who loves them and a God who has a purpose for them and a God who has a plan for them. And a God that loves them, do not miss this, right where they are. We knew this was way too much freaking work to start a church that was doing what every other church in town was doing. And let me make this very clear, that's not me crapping on the other churches in town. I'm just saying we didn't need to duplicate what was already being done. Two out of three churches do not make it to their second anniversary. We broke every rule in starting a church. We started in the dead of the summer. Or we started gathering in the dead of the summer. We met in a parking lot because we couldn't meet in the building. We started in the poorest part of town. It made no sense. So why put so much work into something that wasn't needed? Well, the reality is as we scanned the landscape of our city, we saw there was a huge gaping hole for the least of these. There was a huge gaping hole for the one person who wanted nothing to do with church because at that time, 10 years ago, 74% of this community didn't attend church on Sunday. That's mind-boggling. That's hard for us to comprehend. We're in church. It's hard to believe that 74%, again, that was 10 years ago. I would say it's closer to 80 now. Don't attend church. We, we knew that there needed to be a place that was devoted 100% not to traditionalism, uh, denominationalism, but was devoted simply to the teachings of Jesus. Not about our preferences, not about all the theological things people want to debate about. That was simply about Jesus. We knew that there needed to be a place that it didn't matter where you were in your walk in life that you could come in. It didn't matter the color of your skin you could walk in. It didn't matter your belief system. It didn't matter if you even believed there was such a thing as God. You could come in, sit, and at least hear the teachings of Jesus. Can't need that place. This place can't need a place that was willing to do whatever it took short of sin to reach those that were far from God. So Action Church was born, and it's been a wild ride. And here's the reality of this church. If this is your first time here, if you've only been attending a few months, let me... Let you peek behind the curtain for a minute. This is a messy church. (laughs) It's an ugly church. And I don't mean you're all ugly. I just mean it's ugly. It's a broken church. It's a raw church. Church, if you're used to people walking through the doors and putting on fake masks, baby, you are at the wrong place. Every once in a while, I kind of wish you would. It's loud. It's controversial. It's hated. Literally, this church is hated. But the key is it's hated by the right people. It's judged, it's misunderstood. It is not the home of second chances, it's the home of 2,000 chances. 
It doesn't fit neatly in whatever box you would classify it in. There's so many rumors about this church that are amazing. Like, I wish the room, like, literally someone came in a few weeks ago, and they're like, man, I thought you guys had a bar on Sunday morning. I said, why, why, why did you think that? Man, I just heard you did. He's like, did you used to have a bar? I said, no, no. We've never had a bar. He goes, I don't know if I'm, I'm happy about that or disappointed. It's amazing, the rumors. But Action Church is about the one. Let me burst your bubble here for a moment. Action Church is not about me and it's not about you. It's about the one. Because there's power in one. The funny thing about the mindset that we have is to me it seems like common sense and it seems like that would be the vision of every church. And the reality is most churches would tell you that is their vision but their actions would show different. I went in the middle of nowhere Friday to a meeting. When I tell you I went to the middle of nowhere, I went to the middle of nowhere. 15 minutes from where I went, zero cell service. You forget because, man, if you're up in LJ, you're up in Blue Ridge, man, you're normally going through the main streets or the developed area. You forget, man, it, it gets rural out there. But even in the midst of nowhere, man, there are little church buildings everywhere. And I drove by one church, probably was the size of this stage, and the name on the sign was, I should have took a picture, but I was scared to pull over. I was hearing banjos. The true church. And it said, members only Second and fourth Sunday. Cool. My question, I had lots of questions. How do you become a member if you're not allowed to attend? Is it like a secret handshake? <laughs> you know. But I guarantee you the people in that church would tell you they love everyone and are there for everyone. Right before they pull out the snakes. <laughs> Every church will tell you that. I put this on Facebook this morning. I said it's easy to say you're the church for anyone until that person, until that someone shows up. That person who looks different than you, acts different than you, loves different than you, believes different than you. Boy, the church has become about everything and anything except the one. If you follow the life of Jesus, you'll see that Jesus was all about the one. I find it amazing that everywhere Jesus went, there was crowds and crowds of people. The Bible says there were so many people that literally people would begin to get crushed by the crowds. But in the midst of the people, Jesus always found the one who was in need. My favorite verse in all the Bible, I've preached on it 10,900 times here at this church, is Luke 15. I love this chapter. The Bible says in Luke 15, verse 1, Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. I do find it ironic that he lumped the tax collectors and the sinners together. Just a little note there. IRS, that was just a joke if you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> 
and all the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees, the religious of the day, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Let's stop right there before we go any further. Isn't this ironic? Jesus is teaching the things of God. And those who would normally want nothing to do with the things of God are gathered around to hear him. They're listening to him. It stops, this chapter starts off as Jesus, the perfect son of God, he's hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. They're a whole other level of sinners. He's not hanging out at the synagogue. He's not hanging out with the religious. He's hanging out with the ones that, matter of fact, those of the synagogue and those that are religious are judging. Yeah, that's who Jesus is hanging out with. He's reaching those who don't know God, and he's introducing them to God. Yet, check this out. It's so ironic. The religious hated him for it. They couldn't stand it. They murmured about it. You know why I don't care that this church is hated? Because it's hated by the right people, the religious. When the religious are hating what we do, it lets me know we're doing the right thing. The funny thing is, I've now been in this community for 18 years, and what's funny is, I know in depth, on an intimate basis, a lot of those that are religious. The difference is they keep their skeletons in the closet and we just crazy enough to throw them out on the front porch. Because make no mistake, they got skeletons. Man, the religious hated him. Had a buddy always tells me, he said, if you would just tone it down. He's been telling me that forever. As we're looking for a new man, he goes, I hope you'll, it's time to tone it down. He said, if you just tone it down, just a notch. He told me, he said, I mean, you can out-preach anybody in this town. If you had just toned it down a notch, you wouldn't be able to hold all the people. The problem is, if I tone it down a notch, the people that are going to come here that we can't hold are the religious, and I don't feel like doing this for the religious. I just don't. The religious that wander in here, I keep because they understand they're missionaries. And by religious, I mean those that are mature in their faith that come here. They understand they come here for a purpose. They come here to realize it's not about them. That it's about taking outsiders and making them insiders. We didn't start this church for, for the religious. We started for the one person who doesn't know God. I've often said that every church in this community ought to bring me on staff. Because what happens is, is we bring those that want nothing to do with God in. We're like the lobby of your Christian faith. Mommy prays for them, daddy prays for them, wife prays for them, girlfriend prays for them. They come into church, they meet God, and then suddenly it's not enough that they met God. We're not good enough, and so they wander to another church. Someone said, is that bothering? No. Care? Some sow and some water and some plant. We're the introducers, I'm cool. It's funny though, they leave and they always wander back. That's what it is. I don't care about that stuff. We never started this church to be the biggest church in town. We started to take those. Man, I had something bite me in my ear this morning. It's killing me. I don't want you to think it's weird. I don't know what it was. It was not my wife either. So if I could lose my balance and fall off the stage. 
One of the other people just jump up here and keep preaching. The religious hated him. So the religious leaders come on the scene and they're railing on Jesus. And Jesus, being the pimp he is, he just launches into a story. He doesn't even answer them and dignify their mother. He just starts telling a story. And when Jesus tells a story, you need to listen. But when Jesus tells a story, and before he stops, he goes into a second story that has the same meaning as the first story, you better listen. But when he gets to the second story, before they can talk, he tells a third story, and the third story has the same meaning as the second story, which has the same meaning as the first story. So he's told three stories back to back with all the same meaning. You really better listen. Because he's trying to emphasize something. He hangs out with sinners. Look at him, and Jesus goes into a story, he starts telling a story about a shepherd. He said, man, there was this shepherd, and he had 100 sheep. And one of the sheep turns up missing. And he said, the shepherd doesn't shrug it off. The shepherd doesn't say, oh, no big deal. I still have 99 sheep. He says, no, he goes out, and he leaves the 99. And he looks for the one until he finds it. And the Bible says when he finds it, I'm in pain. I ain't going to lie to you. Uh When he finds it, he comes back and calls all the other shepherds and says, look what I found. Let's celebrate. And then before, he goes into, he says, this lady, man, she had 10 coins. You understand these coins, she wore them around her head. It was, it was her sense of pride in those days. They wore them pre-marriage. And one of the coins falls out of her headwear. And the woman doesn't say, oh, I still have nine of them, no big. No, the Bible says she lights a light. In the middle of the night, she begins to sweep the floor and begins to look and does whatever she can until she finds the one coin that was lost. And then when she finds the lost coin, she calls all of her friends and says, Rejoice with me, I had lost my coin and now I found it. And before the religious leaders say, he said, ah, There was a father and he had two sons. And the one son goes off to a far land and parties and loses everything. His own demise, his own doing. No one to blame but himself. He even reaches the point where he has nothing. He's hanging out with the pigs thinking, man, their slop looks good. He comes to himself. He humbles himself. Man, I can go back home and be a servant to my father. And the Bible says as he's coming home, the father sees him at a distance. You know why the father saw him at a distance? Because he was looking for him. The father didn't say, man, I still got my one son. I still got the good son. He said, no, I lost my son. And every day the father would get up and wait. And the Bible says that when the son came over, the the father ran out to meet him. You know how anti that culture that was? Father could have shunned him, had nothing to do with him. He ran out and met him. And then he threw a party. The only thing is, when he threw the party, the brother, the good brother, wanted nothing to do with it because he was jealous. Look at all the good works I've done. So he goes into these stories, back to back and back and back, and every story something's lost. And the person that is lost or the thing that is lost or the animal that is lost is more important than the person, thing, or animal that is found. Let me repeat that again for you. The person, thing, or animal that is lost to those people is more important than the thing that is found. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for you. God is going to do great things to you. Everything that God has is yours, but make no mistake about it. He's more concerned with that which is lost than he is you. You're found. 
We're left here for one purpose and one purpose only, to take those that are outsiders and make them insiders, to take those who don't know God and introduce them to a God who loves them right where they are and gave his life for them on the cross and wants to have a relationship with them. That's why we're here. If it was all about us, then he would just take us up to heaven where it could be all about us worshiping him. But he left us here with a mission. He left us here with a calling. He says, we are the body of Christ. We all have our own unique purpose. We make up the body. Some of you are the fingers. Some of you are the fingernails. Some of you are the neck. Some of you are the mouth. Some of you, God, a lot of you are the mouth. Some of you are the, are the eyeballs. Some of you are the toes. Some of you are the ass. You know who you are. You're needed. You serve a purpose. It's not a part of my body. You say, Gary, what part of your body you won't cut off? None of it. I'm a big fan of five of these. Five of these. I like five of these. I like two of these. Two, one. I like it all. I'm not looking to lose any of it. All together makes up the body. Makes me who I am. All together, we're the body of Christ. We're here to carry out the purpose. Everyone's not supposed to be like you. Everyone's not supposed to be like me. Everyone's not supposed to be like the person to the right of you or to the left of you. Everyone's not supposed to be okay. The church has done a good job of trying to make everyone say, this is what's okay and this is what's normal. Let's neuter you down to be clones of each other. And the problem is now we have a bunch of hands and no arms and no feet and no legs and no asses. I really just want to say that word, so. Vital. There's a purpose in us. And each of us are more connected to somebody out there, and we're a partnership. We tell people all the time, you do what we can't do. You get your lost friends here, your unchurched family here, your unchurched friends here, and we'll do what maybe you don't know how to do. We'll make sure they hear about God in a relevant way that they can understand. It's a partnership. You know people I don't know, and maybe I'm able to communicate in ways you can't. Or maybe someone else here can relate to. There's people my wife relate to that I can't relate to. They've been through things that I don't understand. There's things that I relate to she doesn't relate to. There's things that if you struggled with addiction and you've been clean, you relate to more than me. That's what makes us all unique. And we're all different, but we should be unified by one. One God and one vision to reach those that are far from God. That's the vision of this church. If you're at this church for any other reasons, you're at this church for the wrong reasons. If you think this church is going to turn into anything else, you're going to be sadly disappointed and you're going to wander away one day. If you're waiting for this church to get deep, just wish we'd get deeper. I tell people all the time, you can't handle elementary stuff. You can't handle love God and love people. How are we going to get deep? When you master love God and love people, we'll talk about getting deep. I just want to, I want to, Get in a book of Revelation and break it down. You can't even comprehend giving. How are you going to comprehend the seven angels? You don't want to get deep. You just don't want to do the basics. You're like me in the gym. I don't want to be swole. I don't even want to be swole. I just want this gone and this gone. You know what I mean? But I ain't willing to do the foundational things to get to that point. I ain't willing to give up ice cream. I ain't doing it. K 
candy bars, fried chicken, mashed potatoes. Not doing it. I tried. I was unhappy. That's the way some of you are in faith. You want to get deep. You want to be swole, but you don't want to give up the things. I get it. Man. A couple of lessons in these stories. Three stories. Three different things. One message. Something of value was missing in every one of them. Something of value. The sheep was valuable. The coin was valuable. The sun was valuable. Look what it says. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Look at the next door. It says, or suppose a woman has silver, ten silver coin and loses one. Jesus continued, verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me all my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together. All he had and he set off. In each story, in each story, something valuable is missing. In the case of the shepherd, it was a sheep. In the case of the woman, it was the coin. In the case of the father, it was a son. But in their life, something valuable was missing. Can I tell you that when we started Action Church, we started Action Church for that which was missing? We started this church for the one person who didn't know God. In a community with a church on every corner, we thought there was something missing. We didn't think we were doing church better than them. We didn't think they were doing church wrong. We just simply said there's got to be a way to reach those 74% of the people because they're looking at the church and they're finding it lacking. We don't think their problem is Jesus. Their problem is not God. The problem is the church and those who attend the church. They see the hypocrisy in the church. They see the fakeness in the church. They see the rules in the church. They see the regulations in the church. They see the, the um, conformity in the church, look like us and act like us and believe like us in every single way. And they want nothing to do with theirs. What they really see is a bunch of fake people who are going through the same struggles they're going through but aren't real enough to talk about them. They don't have a problem with God. I've yet to meet somebody who has a problem with Jesus. Even an atheist will tell you that Jesus, there's no denying that Jesus lived. There's no denying he was a great teacher, history books forever. Now, we can debate all day long, did he die and raise from the grave? I understand that argument. But there's no denying that Jesus was a man who had masses of people following, who was a teacher, and who taught love. There's no ring around it. They don't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with the church. They find the church judgmental. They find the church over their head. Preachers want to wow you with their cemetery, I mean, excuse me, seminary degrees. They want to wow you with their big words and their original language instead of teaching in a way. This is a simple book. It's not complicated. You know who complicates it? Preachers. They complicate it to feed their own egos. They complicate it to put themselves on a pedestal where you have no choice but to come to them. God gave us the word. God gave us access to them. It isn't complicated. It's easy. We make it hard. They find the church... Judgmental. They find church to be focused on insiders. They walk through the door. It's the unfriendliest place they go to. I walk into the bar. Hey, Norm. Hey, Cliff. That's for all you older people like me that understand you. I've got to the point in life where my illustrations, half the church doesn't understand them. How many of you watched Cheers growing up? How many of you people that are going to make me feel old have never heard of Cheers? Okay, well, that's good. Some hope. I think some of you are lying. Like my daughter on the front row, she has no idea what Cheers is. She's literally a liar. 
with a little punk boy. Listen, she got a boyfriend here today. And I'm supposed to be on good behavior, so I'm not going to come off the stage and slap him or beat him up or nothing. But if any of y'all wanted to, poor kitty's going out in the boat with Rick today. (laughs) People in this community need a place that understood something valuable was missing. And there's nothing more valuable than the soul of a man or a woman. That's why we live. We believe that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We believe that we're just passing through here. We're smoking what we're selling. We believe there's a place called heaven. We believe because there's a place called heaven, there's a place called hell. And hell wasn't created for us. That's what people miss. How can a loving God say he doesn't? He wasn't created for us. It's created for the devil and his, his demons. Heaven was created for us. But imperfect things can't go into a perfect place. So a perfect person had to come and pay the price for our imperfections. And he did it. His name was Jesus. It's not complicated. That's easy believism. It's easy to believe. We just don't want to do it. There's nothing more valuable than the soul. We don't do what we do around here. Let me make this clear to you. We don't do what we do around here because we think it's cool. I had a buddy of mine message me last Saturday night, I think. I woke up the next morning and got it on Sunday morning. He said, I think your worship leader band is playing at Ice House. He said, man, he's killing it. Next phrase. That's so cool. Now here's it. Phil's the epitome of cool, I guess. We don't got Phil here because he's cool. We've got Phil here because he buys into the vision of this church and he sacrificed as much as anybody over the last 10 to 11 years to make this church happen. We don't do what we do because we have nothing better to do. Contrary to popular belief, I'm a busy person. I can think of a lot more things to do than take every Sunday and come here. Someone asked me yesterday, said, hey, would you be interested in going to a NASCAR race next year? I said, that's on Sundays. Yeah, I said, man, yeah, I'd like to go to that. I've always wanted to go to one. I said, but I got to know some dates. I, I got it, for me to miss is work. I got to find people to fill in. I got to find people who preach worse than me because I ain't putting anybody up here better than me. Hence why I use David. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But he's retired. You know, he travels 42 weeks out of the year, so you got to work it all out. We don't do what we do because we think it's cool. We don't do what we do just to be controversial. My wife all the time, because you bored? I said, what do you mean? I saw that Facebook post. You just trying to stir it up? Contrary to popular belief, half the time I'm not trying to stir it up especially when it comes to this church. I post what I post because I'm passionate about it because something valuable is missing. We do what we do around here because something valuable is missing and we believe that this church full of real people who are doing life in this community can get other people who are doing life in this community to come through these doors and hopefully meet Jesus. It exists for those that are missing. This church doesn't exist for the convinced. I'm thankful for the convinced, but it doesn't exist for the convinced. It's about the unconvinced. It's not for those inside these four walls. We were looking at a building recently. 
It was a lot smaller. And someone said, what are you going to do on the Sundays when there's not enough seats? I said, I'm going to get up on stage and ask people to raise their hands on how long they've been here. And those that have been here the longest, I'm going to tell them to get up and stand in the back because we need their seat. They said, how do you think that's going to go? I said, it'll go over great because those people that have been here the longest get it. It doesn't exist for the convinced. It exists for the unconvinced. If you're going to attend Action Church and you're mature in your faith, you have to come with the mindset of a missionary. How many of you are a member anywhere, a member of a gym? I didn't think there'd be a lot. I get it. When you join a gym, you get benefits. How how many of you are a a member of something like Sam's or Costco? Oh, yeah, a lot more hands. I get it. Bulk food. I'm a member of Sam's and Costco. Yeah. I love Sam's, but I love the rotisserie chicken at Costco. I don't know. It just is what it is. Especially the one that's already pulled because I'm lazy. I'm bougie like that. When I become a member of a gym, I expect something. When I become a member at a Sam or Costco, I expect to be able to buy five things of ketchup at one time for a good price. I expect to buy the biggest jar of peanut butter in existence the same price I'd buy normal. I get benefits as a member. If I'm a member of a golf club, is that called a golf course? I expect to be able to show up and play golf. We don't do membership here. We do partnership. But if we did membership here, it'd be the opposite of that. When you became a member here, you lose your rights. It no longer becomes about you. You give up your seat. You serve. You make it happen. It no longer becomes about your comfort and what you want. It becomes about us being unified to go after that one valuable thing that's missing. Why? Because, listen, life is limited. Life is but a vapor, the Bible says in James. And when they leave here, they'll be present before the Lord. And if they don't know Christ, it's not something we want in our hands. Someone asked me the other day, so what kind of church are you? I said, we're church for those who don't do church. We make no apologies for that. We're not your redneck church. We're not your yuppie church. We're not your white church. We're not your bike. People love, like in the years, I was thinking about this. So over the years, we have been every kind of church. Remember when we started, there was some, that, that, so those of you who don't know, when we started, there was a homeless camp behind here that had about 50, 60 homeless people. And Action Church was the homeless church. And then we went through this church, where, I mean, this period where about every Sunday, there was 50, 60 motorcycles out there. And we were the Biker church. And then we went through this stage where we were the rock and roll church. And then we were the shelter church. And then we went through this period, for whatever reason, we had a very large population of um, same-sex couples in our church. And, man, we were the gay church. And we always have had, and then we've always been the crazy church. So people love to classify what we are. Here's what we are. We're the church for those who don't do church. You know what all those things had in common? Every label we were given, they were people who felt excluded from the mainstream church. I'm not saying they are excluded. I'm saying they felt excluded. They didn't feel like they could walk through those doors and be loved until they conformed to what they were walking into. So they ended up here. Because something valuable was missing. Here's the funny thing. That's the mission of God. The Bible says this in Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was the mission of Jesus. The mission of Jesus was not to raise the dead and perform miracles until he did all those things. But his mission was to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why we're left here. Something valuable was missing. One God, one vision. The vision is something's missing. Here's the second thing. They did whatever it took to find that which was missing. Suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country? 
And he goes after that lost sheep until when? Until he finds it. Someone literally the other day asked me, they said, man, I'm praying for my son. He's off the rails. And they said, how long should you? I pray. I said, as long as it takes. I know parents have prayed for 20 years, 30 years before that son came back to God. If it was my child, I'd pray every day, every second. How bad do you want it? You pray until you get the answer. He said he went off and he looked for that sheep until he found it. Uh, Luke 15, if you're supposing one, is 10 silver coins and she loses one. Doesn't, I like he's like, doesn't she? Like he just says it like it's common sense. Doesn't she just light? That's the next verse. Flip it over there, Tanya. There we go, girl. Tanya's getting good back there. Xander, Xander's been gone every week. She's getting good. Give Tanya May a round of applause. The Tanya spirit. Anytime someone misses back there, we just throw Tanya in and we don't even ask her if she can do it. She just does it. Suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp? Sweep the house and search carefully until when? Until she finds it. Luke 15, 20. So he got up, he being the son who went off and lost everything. He got up and went to his father. By he's still a long way off. His father saw him. He's coming home. The father saw him. He was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. Each one of these cases, the person who had lost something was doing whatever it took to find that which was lost. If we're going to be a church that exists for the one, that has one God and one vision, we better be willing to do whatever it takes to reach those that are far from God. That doesn't mean we get to show up every morning and sit in our blessed assurance and do nothing. It means we do whatever it takes, whatever's asked of us, whatever we feel led we need to do. That means there are no rules, anything short of sin, to reach those that are far from God. They did whatever it took to find that one thing. We're not interested in the way things have always been. If the way things were always been were working, 74% of the community wouldn't find the church irrelevant. It's not working. I love tradition. I spent this last week learning a tradition, learning a craft, learning something that's been passed down from generations. You, you, you won't find anybody, surprisingly, who loves the old school way of doing things like I do. But I won't be married to it if it's not effective anymore. Methods change. The message doesn't. The problem with the church is (laughs) they quit worrying about the message and got consumed with the methods. They thought the methods were inspired. They thought the methods were inerrant. They thought the methods were the only way to do things. No, the message is inspired. Jesus loves everyone. It's inerrant. It's without fail. It's not the methods. It's the message. They did whatever it took to find that which was lost. We will not stay in our comfort zone. I don't want to leave this building. Sorry. Want one hand, pin the other, see which one fills up quicker. I don't know what to tell you. I don't want to leave it either. I, I'm too lazy. It's going to be a lot of work. That's life. We're not going to stay in our comfort zone. Isn't it funny, though, that in the midst of probably losing our building in the next 12 months, 
People ought to be jumping off the ship and new people just keep coming in every week. Ain't that a reminder that God's in control and we're not? We will not eliminate anything just because people are offended by it or don't like it. If we think it will connect with those who are in the need. Someone asked me, they said, when we move, will we still do this, this, and this? I said, I don't know. Well, why would we stop? I said, I don't know. Depends on what's needed in that area. Wherever God gives us a building in that area. We'll see what the needs are in that area. Someone asked me, they said, how come we don't do the back-to-school thing anymore? We started the back-to-school thing in this community. We used to do the back-to-school carnival every year. Now, every church in town does it. I don't say it in a bad way. I'm glad every church in town does it. But we don't do stuff just to do it. There was no longer a need to do it. We started giving out the meals at Thanksgiving. A couple of years ago, we quit doing it. We didn't do it for two years, Michael, because every church in town was doing it. But an amazing thing happened. They saw how much work it was and suddenly quit. So we're back at it. Y'all remember what happened Thanksgiving? We're down here all sitting. It was like a caravan of cars pulling in from churches, just bringing us food. Where do we take this? You lazy SOBs. We'll just leave it here. We'll find the people and give it out. We don't do stuff just to do it. You know why I let that AA meet happen over there every Friday? Every Sunday when I show up and realize they've left the air conditioning on and haven't emptied the trash cans and haven't put up the chairs and I have to fold them up and have to clean up after them. You know why I do it? Because almost 100 kids meet over there. I think it's called Jungle Line, and most of them are young kids. And what a better place to be on Friday night than here. There's a need for it. And then we're dumb. We don't let some do it on Friday night. They do it on Saturday night. Good. There's a need. As long as there's a need, we'll do it. If there quits being a need, and I don't think they'll ever quit being a need with people with addiction, we'll do it. We'll do whatever it takes short of sinning. I love when people walk in this church for the first time. It literally happened about five weeks ago. Someone walked in and said, man, this is like a bar. I said, cool. It's just comfortable. What's sad is the bar is more comfortable than the church nowadays. It's been a long time since I got an email from somebody complaining out of our music, but I got one about two weeks ago from someone watching online. I don't understand why you sing songs off the radio. Well, if you think they're wrong, how'd you know it was off the radio? Well, here's why we do it, because when you hear that song on the radio, you'll remember the message. I'm not a good enough preacher for you to remember my message, but you'll remember the song. What we say yes to and what we say no to it's based solely on whether or not we think it reaches those that are far from God. I'm not against big, fancy church buildings. God wants to give us one. I'll take it. Doesn't seem to be in the cards right now. But I will say this. Out of the clear blue in the last two weeks, I've had 11 pastors, pastors, message me. And say, man, I don't know what, but I feel led. I just want you to know, I've been praying that another church would give you their building. I'm like, well, keep on praying, big dog. Come on. <laughs> man, come on. We do what we do because we do it. Because it reaches those that are far from God. Something valuable was missing in these stories. They did whatever it took to find it. 
One vision, one God. It's why we exist. In case you're ever wondering why we exist, this is why. Last week was a celebration of why you saw what we exist. Everybody was messing. Man, it was great. It was so much fun. Yeah. Because it's why we exist. And last of all, they celebrated when they found the thing that was lost. (laughs) And when he finds it, the shepherd, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. Joyfully. You know what he didn't do to that sheep that was lost? Lecture it. (laughs) Yell at it. Tell it it was wrong. Hey, guess what? That sheep already knew it had messed up. I always get a kick out of people when they mess up. And we feel the need to tell them they messed up. And you really screwed up this time. Well, no joke. I know, trust me. Dealing with the backlash of it. When he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. He calls his friends and his neighbor and says, rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. Why with me? Because I'm rejoicing. I have found my lost sheep. Look what he says in verse 7. He says, I tell you that the same way there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. A shepherd said, come on, let's party. I found what you saw. He said, you think that's a party? Heaven parties way more. Look what it says about the lady. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and she knows her neighbor and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. I'm so happy. Rejoice with me. Be glad with me. It says, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Luke 15, the third story. But the father says to his servants, quick, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Now, remember, this son was in the wrong. He took the inheritance and took off. It said, put the best robe on him. Don't make him go through penance. I remember when I lost everything. It's my favorite story. I lost everything. This pastor told me, pastor, I love and respect. Pastor, a lot of y'all watch on social media. He said, you just need to go away for seven years. So, okay. And I was like, I had a curious, I mean, I, I, I was broken. I was like, okay. And I was like, why? Why seven? I, I wanted to know. Was it like a magic in seven? Uh, well, you know, in the Bible, that's the number of completion. It just sounds good. Oh, that's not good enough reason for me. What he was saying was, you screwed up. Now jump through these hoops, lick these boots, and grovel for the next seven years of your life while the community dies and goes to hell and you feel sorry for yourself. Father didn't look at that son and be like, you want to come back? You've got to earn it. You need to go to apologize to everyone. I want you to grovel and tell me how you missed it. He said, no, quick! Bring the best robe, put it on. He said, put the ring on his finger. You know what that ring is? That ring was a signia of the family. It had the family crest on. He said, put the ring on and let everybody know my son's back. He's part of the family. Instantly, this happened. We like to make people pay when they mess up. Earn the freaking, and I'm guilty of this too, but I'm getting convicted right now. Put the finger, put sandals on his feet. He said, bring the fatty calf and kill us, the biggest calf. We eating good tonight. He said, let's have a feast and let's celebrate. And he said, for the son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he has found. So they begin to celebrate. Listen, listen, listen. I don't know, Tony, if you can find that point, but put it back up there. Listen, they celebrated when that which was lost was found. We made heaven rejoice 
last week. Heaven threw a party last week as we partied. This place ought to be a party every Sunday. I've said that from day one. I've told you my vision for this church. I've told you it's never happened. I get it's probably unrealistic. But I said, I want to pull into this parking lot every Sunday and there just be tailgating in the parking lot. People that excited that church is about to start. They got their grill set up and they're flipping burgers and the music's playing. They're doing whatever. See, that seems crazy. Does it seem crazy? I put a wrestling show here on the first Friday. Wrestling. Let me tell you what wrestling is. Grown men in underwear, fake fighting. And they start tailgating in the parking lot about 2 o'clock every Friday in anticipation of the fake fight that's happening. Go to Atlanta United game. They say it's the biggest party in town. Over a soccer game. The stupidest sport to ever exist. Like, it's a sport where the game ends in a tie. Stupid. It's dumb. I know some of you love it. You have a right to be wrong. I still love you. You can come down to the altar and repent later. And they party at this soccer game. Anybody been to Athens on a Saturday? That makes sense to me. Football man sport. National champions. Not Alabama. Not Florida. Not Clemson. But Georgia Bulldogs. But man, they'll start partying way ahead of time. And yet we roll up into church two minutes after it starts, having World War III with our family on the way over here, threatening the kids like crazy. I'll beat your butt. When you pull that parking lot, oh, praise Jesus. And wonder why our hearts aren't ready to worship. We ain't prepared our hearts for worship. This ought to be a celebration. I love watching people dance and celebrate when the band's playing. It ought to be an exciting time. Ballground had a concert last night. I've got a concert there in two weeks. I wanted to go see what the crowd was like last night. The crowd was small, but I'll tell you what was happening now. We drove by. They were playing uh, Respect by Aretha Franklin. There were the horns going and everything. And there were six couples. I'm talking about gray-headed couples. I mean, just because there's snow on the roof don't mean there ain't fire in the, in the hole, I guess, man. They's down there. Son, they was cutting a rug in front of that stage. There were 60 people, and them five couples were getting with it. I don't know what you call that, the shag or what you call it. I don't know. Probably someone old like Lou would know what it was or Doug. I don't know. But, man, they was getting with it at the ball ground concert. And we'll sit around here acting like it's torture that people are singing. We get together for an hour and a half every week. As a group, and corporately celebrate what God's done in our lives. This ought to be a party. This ought to be a place of excitement. This ought to be the energizer that I love. Kylie says it every time. Kylie's like, I need a break one Sunday. (laughs) She starts whining like a little girl. (laughs) And every time he misses a Sunday before the next day, he's like, I've been off all week. I don't feel right. I miss, miss my recharge. There's power in the recharge. That's what this ought to be. We ought to be celebrating because those which don't know Christ are coming in. We exist for the one. I get excited anytime someone walks in the church. I'm like, boy, they ain't been at church in a long time. They don't belong here. 
I get excited. I'm going to point them out for a minute. Brandon's buried there. Brandon, raise your hand, boy. Brandon's been here since day one. Now, Brandon has some demons, boy. Brandon, how long has it been since you've been here? Five years. You been going that long, boy? I was going to say two. Now, I didn't hear anybody say this, so let me preface it ahead of time. But I know somebody made the comment, mm, Brandon must be sober again. I saw him coming through the parking lot and smiling and said, Brandon's sober again, looking back at church, excited for what he's doing. He ought to be here. Hell, we've been on a journey with him forever. I had to basically threaten to kill him one time. He's family. That's why we exist. There's power in one. I love that song. I love that song because I love that you too, Bono, said, man, we were splintered. We realized the one thing mattered more than all the little things. You're never going to agree with everyone. Newsflash for you. In November, people are going to vote different than you that go to this church. They're going to have a difference of opinion than you on issues. Oh, by the way, they're going to have a difference of opinions than I do. I know this is hard for y'all to understand. I'm allowed to my opinions too. You want to say, well, that church believes. No, the church don't believe. Gary believes that. Here's what this church believes. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. That's what we believe. We believe God, love God, love people, take action. That's what we believe. I'm allowed to have my own opinions. Now, if you want to classify the church based on my opinions, that's your stupidity. So keep being stupid. It's that simple. One God, one vision. Bono said that song brought them back together. And he said every time he goes, they, I guess when you're in a band, you rotate songs in and out. Bono said we always leave that song in the set list, no matter where we're at or what we're doing or how many songs have come out since, because that's our unifying song. Our unifier is that we exist for those who don't know God. Never forget that. Let's pray.